So we will get started. Um, guys, I got Nate Tilly here in the house. He is a jiu-jitsu fighter, that's what I'm gonna call you. Yeah. A jiu-jitsu fighter, a local, um, you know, upcoming business guy as well, um, in the marketing side and selling cars up at Spearfish. So, Nate, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, Thank Christian. Thanks for having me, man. It's, it's something that I've always wanted to do, just kind of, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people see kind of what I'm up to in, in yeah. spurts and in glimpses, but yep. I've really wanted the opportunity to show uh, who I really am and my story um, from beginning to end. So, to give a little context. Perfect. Sorry, I had to set that real quick. No um, okay, so tell us a little bit. So, you got Worlds coming up, right? We were just talking about before this podcast started. Um, tell me what's what that is and what that means and what you're going to do. Yeah, so the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation... Um, world Championship. So um, there's a lot of different tournament um, promotions in Jiu-Jitsu. There's Fight to Win, there's yep. Submission Challenge, and IBJJF is known as kind of the premier. Um, it's more expensive. It's uh, more expensive to enter. More expensive to okay. enter. You have to become a member, um, and to become a member, you have to have a black belt that actually um, signs off on you. So gotcha. Andre Gabo has to sign off on every single one that goes, and um, Another th reason that it's a little bit more premier is because the it's generally tournaments you get two tries and then you're out. Yeah. If you lose twice, you're out. This one's single elimination. Single elimination. So you go down there, you get one shot, and you win, 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 and once you lose, you're done. So for this tournament, I have. Um, is it Nogi or is it Gi? Yep, this is the Nogi World Championship. Nogi. Okay. So just Nogi grappling. Um, for some of your audience that might not know what, what that entails, yeah. yeah, so that's going to be like um, basically essentially submission wrestling yeah. where we're not doing any striking, as you know, of course, yeah. but just for your audience, no striking, no kicking. Um, it's just going for a submission hold yeah. via choke, armbar. You're basically trying to get the other person to tap out. Exactly. And, and the difference in IBJJF is what you're doing is... Uh, you're trying to get them to tap out, but you're not as hungry for the submissions. You're more hungry for the points, points yeah. because that's what wins the matches. Yeah. And so you're trying to control your opponent. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like that. They say, oh, points, you know, it doesn't apply to the street. Yeah. But in my opinion, when you are able to dominate another competitor yeah. and hold them inside control for a minute. Agreed. And then yeah. slowly go to mount and hold them there and give them no other options, but they give up the arm. And then you get the sub and it's very controlled, I think that that shows more dominance than just jumping on a sub and getting, you know, a lucky sloppy armbar. Right, no, I agree, I agree. Yeah. And I think uh, for if you're on the street, if you get somebody in a side control or if you get them a mount or something like that, they're done for them. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's yeah. not much they can do, especially if you know what you're doing and they don't, Yeah. it's over at that point. Yeah. You know, I think so anyways. That's, that's the beauty of jujitsu, man. Like uh, the average person, doesn't generally realize how much they don't know about yeah, fighting. Yeah. You know, you see a fight and you think I didn't know. You think you can throw a good punch. You think you might be able to throw a decent kick. But like what that actually translates to is just so far from the yeah. reality. And the reality is is like the guys that are actually good at that, they put so many hours in and you know I kind of have issues with the, the self-defense um, community in general that promotes, you know, a strike, you know, teaches women or, or these self-defense seminars where they teach people these strikes that, or these fancy movements that work when you're drilling them, but in a real situation with adrenaline, it's just giving them a false sense of confidence. Whereas jujitsu, when you put somebody, it doesn't matter how big the person is, it doesn't matter what drugs they're on, if you put them 
in a chokehold, everybody needs blood to their brain. Right. And if they can't get that, then you know that's out, that's uh, true. Yeah. That's a true self-defense mechanism. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I think there was a stat that, um, and I didn't realize how much I didn't know until I got into it either. You know what I mean? Because yeah, you get that idea of like, yeah, I'd probably be okay, like a scrap in a fight. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've gotten fights as a kid and stuff like that. I was, you know, I could scrap out of it or whatever. But it's like I heard this analogy that it's jujitsu is like when you get into it, it's like saying that you could, you know, like, how do they describe it? Like, people saying, oh, I could beat that guy up that knows how to fight. Like, oh, I could beat his ass or whatever. Well, it'd be like trying to say you could beat a race car driver in a race and you've never even driven a car. Yeah. <laughs> it really does yeah. feel like that, yeah. too. You're like, oh, I don't even know what's happening here. And yeah. they're just destroying me for some reason. Yeah. 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 It's weird. But, no, it's a great it's a great avenue for also just getting shaped too. Oh yeah. It's awesome for that. Yeah. Yeah. No better cardio I've ever done. Yeah. Than rolling for an hour. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like if you're on a treadmill, you can you'll run as fast as you'll run. Yeah. But when you if imagine if you had somebody chasing you, yeah. you're gonna run just that exactly. much. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah. a great point. Yeah. So IBJJF worlds, no gi. Just so people if, if you don't know what a gi is, a gi is like it looks like a karate outfit. It's probably the best way. Yeah. Most thicker. people have seen it. Yeah, like a thick material. You got pants and you got a shirt and you got a belt around it. But no gi is just Shorts and uh, skin T-shirt, pretty yeah, much. Rash guard, yeah, rash guard, hugs tight. Or you could get a shirtless if you wanted to, right? N- not in IBJJF, but oh, in really? other tournaments. Yeah. Okay, you can't do it in IBJJF. No, they're very strict with huh. their, w- and and that's what makes them so premier. Yeah, strict rules, strict regulations, single elimination, yeah. more expensive. Yeah, you know, and this this tournament. What do you have to do to get entered? You just you just sign up. Okay, yeah. so anybody can go. Yep, and if they're signed off by Black Belt. Yeah, you have to get your membership, yep. but then you can go. It's an it's an open tournament, um, but it is you know it does hold the value still, and people from all over the world. I mean, okay. my my bracket's got like forty people, yeah. and there's people. What from, bracket is, are you in? Uh, I'm in the light featherweight division. So light featherweight. One, is it one thirty six? Is it just any belt? Nope, just blue belt. Just blue belt. Okay. Yep. Okay. Hundred thirty six blue belt, and then. If, if you make the podium, you get to go in the absolute division. Gotcha. So all the best guys in every blue belt division against each other. Gotcha. For the ultimate okay. blue belt world champion. Yeah. Interesting. That would, that's going to be pretty cool, man. Yeah. So 40 people, so you have to basically win, what many matches is that? Like five or six? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Win five or six yep. massive matches? Yeah. Yep. 40 to 20 to 10, you know. Yeah. So it goes quick with the single elimination. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be cool, man. Yeah. Um, what do you what do you anticipate being like the um, the outcome for you? What do you think is gonna happen? You know, uh, or do you have no expectation? Yeah, I don't. I don't really have an expectation. I have a. I've, I've been visualizing a lot of things that I would just hope to happen. Yeah. You know, and you know, I think the outcome is gonna be growth. You know, whether it's a, a win lose situation, whether it's a medal, whether it's not, I think it's just going to be growth. You know, I've never been to California. Yeah, I'm going out on my own. Cool. I. Uh, L. A. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anaheim Dope. Convention Center. All the big names in jujitsu are going to be out there. Yeah, it'd be cool to see all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recently, I had a, a YouTube video that went pretty viral, and um, I think that just just kind of like putting myself out there in the jiu-jitsu scene being down there meeting the people there's nothing like a room full of jiu-jitsu guys yeah. and gals where you can just you know everybody is just that level of hum- humility yeah. and, and it's it's there's nothing like it so overall i think the outcome is just going to be a tremendous amount of growth and um i will be a world champion whether it's this time or the next time or next year or Such the year after oh yeah oh yeah world champion yeah multiple times like awesome that's that's the goal and and you know 
I, I set that goal for myself when I first started jujitsu because, you know, it was just such a life changer for me, such a lifesaver for me that, you know, I told, I told my coach that I, you know, I wanted to bring back something for, for Spearfish and for Rapid to almost as a sign of, of just like repaying them for just having that community and having that outlet for me to use for personal growth and personal development. So what got you into jiu-jitsu? So, so, okay, so for a bit of context, I want, I want to take this all the way back because it's, it's kind of a, lo- a long time coming thing. So I want to go all the way back for your audience to a little bit about me. So um, I I was born in a family, two two really young young people had me, I was the oldest and they had my sisters and working lower middle class, you know, kind of paycheck to paycheck situation. You know, we always had food, we always had a shelter, but times times were tough and and you know how that financial instability creates chaos and and that in stress and, and growing up in that environment, you know, my parents, um, you know, they, they wanted to put me in private school, so I was in private school till sixth grade, really kind of closed in, and then I uh, started getting in trouble, kind of class clown, acting out, tr- just trying to get attention, trying to find where, where I could fit in, yeah. and um, I, I got kicked out of private school in, in sixth grade, and I went to public school, and I, I went from having a class of 10 kids to having a class of 100 kids, and all these things I'd never been exposed to. So I was just like, you know, overwhelmed, almost like a culture shock. Mm-hmm. And, and what that led to was, was just the same thing of trying to find my place, trying to find where I fit in, just like every other kid. Have you always lived in Spearfish? No, I, I'm from Rapid. Okay. From Rapid. Okay. Yep, yep. So, um, so I was going to Douglas, yep. Douglas Middle School. And um, I remember I was always a really small kid. But I, but I loved to play like basketball and I loved to try to play football, yep. but, I, but I was never too good. And then that, that didn't stop me in the beginning because I was just going for it. Um, but I had a series of events when I went to public school that kind of like traumatized that entire thing for me. Um, I had a coach in seventh grade basketball that just kind of, you know, took it to me in a negative way, um, saying that I just kind of like would put me down and tell me that I'd never be good, tell me that I couldn't do it. And, you know, I, I'm sure he didn't mean it in right. the way that it, that it translated right. as a young kid, but it just crushed my sense of confidence. It made me hate, hate basketball, hate team sports. And then other, other events like the football kids, I'd go to try to play football, miss the ball, butterfingers, and just those, those events, you know, uh, the, that every kid goes through them and they seem ins- insignificant, but overall, you know, that's a traumatic event that, that causes you to kind of be scarred in a way. So once, once those things started to happen to me, I, I really didn't have that confidence in myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't, like, I didn't like those kids. And so I started hanging out with like the outcast kids, the, you know, the, the like emo, straighten yeah, yeah. your hair, yeah, yeah. you know, like that whole music. Yep. Everybody that wants I to. I can, baby. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Everybody wants to be in a band, but none of us play any instruments, course, yeah. you know? Yeah. So um, that was, that was kind of where I was at with it. And, um, you know, basically I had, I had a buddy that was in that with me and he's like, Hey man, you should come out for wrestling with me. And I'm like, mm, and he's like, yeah, you get to skip school. We get to go on these trips and you know, it's really fun. And, and you'll um, kind of learn how to fight. And I, I wouldn't have wanted to do it, but a week earlier, 
there was uh, on the middle school, you know how kids can be. There was this, this kid that I, um, th we rode the same bus and he saw that I was talking to this girl. Apparently he knew or whatever, yeah, yeah. young kids on the playground. And he just comes and like lays me out. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't do anything. I was like, you know, acting tough. And then bell rings, we go to class and I'm, I'm sitting at the lunch table at the cafeteria and I'm like, guys, you, you think I could take this guy? Like, and they're like, no, he's a wrestler. He's going to take you down. And, and I was just like, what? Wrestling doesn't, that doesn't work in a fight. And right. like, yeah, it does. And so then a week from that, when my friend told me to come out for wrestling, yeah, let's do it. I was like, yeah, I better do it. But I still had that toxic sense of disbelief in myself. So even as I started to learn wrestling, I would go out every match and I would look at the guy's record Somebody would tell me how long he's been wrestling, and I would go out and just be like, well, I'm not going to win. Defeat yourself. Defeat four. myself. Yeah. Every single time. Hmm. You know, and so it was a span of doing that for four years until my sophomore year. Did you ever win? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's that's what this leads to is, so so a span, uh, my sophomore so you year. you started wrestling in middle school? Eighth grade. Got it. Yep. Okay. Eighth grade, I started wrestling, and then, uh, you know, not very serious about it. Ninth grade, not very serious about it. 10th grade, I start lifting every morning. Yep. Our, our training just switched. It was just more Got serious. Yeah, yeah, it was way more serious. I made the varsity team, and I was just, you know, I, I still had that, that limited belief in myself until um, we had a duel against Shavron, which is just known for their wrestling. Okay. And so we're Douglas. It's a home home duel and 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 shattering wrestling and i'm up i think it was the 126 bout okay. and i go against this kid who was just he was going for stats on me and and he knew it so he would just take me down let me up take me down let me up so he could get, takedowns, as, yeah, get as much takedowns as he could and i remember like my parents were there my grandparents were there like my girlfriend at the time was yeah. there and um it, there was there was 30 seconds left and he took me down and he had me in a pin right at the edge of the mat and I had one shoulder up just barely. So I weren't pinned yet? I wasn't pinned yet, but the ref was about to call it and, and somehow like I just like I remember looking at my coach, looking at my team, and like, bridge roll, bridge roll. So I just bridged and rolled as big as I could and I just rolled him over and I just laid on there like go, go, go. And I pinned the kid with three seconds left on the clock, pin. And like I just remember seeing my whole team just jump up. My my parents are over there tearing up. I yeah. was just like so winded, so I bet dead. He was pissed. And, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And man. and so like that that instance really made me feel That's like awesome, okay, yeah. you know, like like I can do something for myself. And in that time also, I was because you beat the kid that was supposed to beat you. Exactly. Yeah. I was the underdog that overcame. And that's kind of been a general thing. I had a theme. weird experience like that in tennis, like almost very similar. Really? But at the time I had like, I don't know, I had the flu or something in the middle of this match. And oh. the guy was, the guy was like, everybody was like, my coach and everybody walked away. Like no one was watching me because they knew I was going to lose. They just didn't care? Yeah. Well, they were just like, uh, good luck, Christian. And then they're like, yeah, well, he's not going to win. Yeah. Because the kid was ranked like top two, three in the state. And I was like top 30, um, which is still good. Yeah. Right. But 30 and one or two is very different. Anyways, we go, we battle at it, and I, I win in the third set, like 6-2, pretty easily. Um, and I think, I, I looked back on that moment, and I think part of it was because I was sick, and I wasn't worried about it. Yeah. I was relaxed. Yes. You know? I was like, you know what? I'm just going to play in my yes. And I just destroyed the guy. And um, anyways, I win. The guy's, like, slamming his racket, pissed, shouldn't have <laughs> lost to me. His whole team is like, 
white-faced, you know. And I walk away and go to my coach, who was like on the other side, because no one watched me, literally. No one knew I won. So I walk over to my coach, and I said, hey, coach, because he has to report your scores. And he goes, hey, it's a tough match, man. Thinking I lost. He goes, tough match, man. And he gives me a high five, and I go, I won. And he goes, what? And everybody freaks out, and then somebody else heard it, and everybody started like screaming and freaking out because that win made us go from like sixth place to second place oh. in the whole tournament. So wow. like as a team, you know. So um, it was weird. I, like, I remember that moment specifically because I was like, okay, Those I can go with the top guys. You know, I could beat the top guys easily. Like it was effortless. Yeah. It was an effortless one for me. Yeah. So that's crazy. Anyway, sorry. No, that's okay. Jack there. Well, well, I think that's an important po- point. And just to, to scratch that itch a little bit more, it's like, I think we all get those experiences in life yeah. where it's like you, you either make or you break, you either fight or you flight. Yeah. And so to, to, you know, to overcome. And also another thing that you pointed out is to not be so attached to the result, but just to be attached to the process. Yeah. And just to just to be loving what you're doing, that's when you can truly get in that flow state. Totally. And that's when you can yeah. yeah truly start to dominate. So okay, you beat this guy in Shadron. So I beat this guy in Shadron, yeah. but I was still hanging out with the, with the emo kids okay. and, and um, the skater punk kids, and um, I remember like still still not really liking team sports. I w- I like wrestling, but I, I hated football guys and basketball. I thought it was stupid, um, but I I got I had my mom. She got me a skateboard for my birthday. And I was watching these videos. I came across a video, How to Ollie. Okay. And this guy was explaining how to Ollie. And I was like, okay, this is something I can learn, but it's going to take a lot of time. So I spent a lot of time just on the board. And it took forever, but I was just, I knew that, like, it wasn't limited to, like, I was a small, I was the smallest kid, you know, in, in sports. So. I knew that skateboarding wasn't limited to my athleticism, my size, mm. you know, I knew that nobody could take that away from yeah. me if I learned that. So I spent, you know, days at the skate park and, you know, eventually got in with the skater kids and, you know, we had some scuffles in the beginning. They didn't like me at first. I wore white skinny jeans and I was just kind of a weird <laughs> kid. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but eventually... That's normal now, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally yeah. Exactly. And, um... But eventually we, we, um, I came in with the skate kids and I proved to myself a lot of times that I could just do the impossible. I remember one of the first times I was, just, I was at the skate park, I saw this guy named Jed um, doing tray flips and that's a 360 kickflip. Okay. And I remember watching it and just being amazed. And I was like, I think I can learn that. And so once I got, you know, a bag of tricks, they call it. I, I set out to learn the tray flip, and that was all I wanted to do. And so for eight months, every single day, for hours, I would just flick that thing. Flick it. Try flick to get it. it. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was in North Carolina for two weeks, staying with my grandma, had nothing to do but skate. I was out there for hours for a day. Hours. And uh, I finally landed one. My first one ever is actually on video. No way. Caught it on video. Yeah, it's on my Instagram. That's awesome. And uh, that just really, like, I started to develop this sense of confidence on myself. And so with that sense of confidence, there's also, at a young age, there's arrogance, for sure. Oh, yeah. And so I was, I was really arrogant. I was, you know, getting in fights and with the skater kids. I was just falling in with that crowd. And eventually, you know what that brings? Drugs. Drugs. Yeah. So I, you know, I had this kid and he's like, you want to smoke a cigarette? And I was like. No, dude, cigarettes <laughs> are terrible. Yeah. And then eventually I was, you know, thinking, it. I was like, I wonder what it 
it's like. Yeah. So eventually you get into that yeah. and, the, and then the weeds around and then, yeah. you know, um, things happen really fast and just being around it, like I, I knew I knew a guy that, that had, that sold it and everybody at the skate park wanted some. So I was bringing this guy business and he's like, here, let me, For free. yeah, let me, let me just give this to you and you do it. So all of a sudden I'm a 14 year old kid that's just let go in the world in in the city to to pedal these sacks and to middleman this stuff and that created just like a monster in me because i was you know 14 15 16 maybe maybe a little bit older this probably started when i was about just turned 16 actually okay. yeah so 16 17 18 maybe no 15 16 17 okay started early 15 and then 16 is when i really started getting into it um, but I, but I started to just kind of immerse myself in that culture and I moved up from, you know, 150 bucks to 300 bucks to all of a sudden, Hey, you want to go to Denver? We can get double the amount. Mm -hmm. And so like within a span of time, I was just, things were out of control. And by the time I was 17, I was just making, you know, thousands of dollars a week and it was just you know, it was chaos, and my arrogance. Probably lying to everybody too all the time. Oh, my parents. Lying about what you're doing, where you're at, and and, yeah. I, and my parents knew, but they didn't know, and they had other, you know, they had my sisters, then they had foster kids, and and I I just feel terrible about what I must have put my parents through, yeah. but I was just kind of the black sheep. Right. And um, so you know, eventually my junior year, I I was into that, and then. My senior, and I did wrestling my junior year, yep. kind of being into that, doing both things. Yep. But then my senior year, I didn't do wrestling. I switched to Central High School, and that's when things really started to get crazy. I was 17 years old, and um, I, I made over for like, I mean, I don't know if I want to talk about exact numbers, but it was just like more, it, it was ridiculous. like probably close to a hundred thousand dollars my senior year of high school just for being able to sell drugs yeah, yeah 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 and 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 just weed just so you know it, yeah. not like i wasn't like doing meth or right. anything which right. it, it's all bad but you know that it was just something that i fell into and it just it was so natural that it was just happening and although i you know i don't don't agree with it at all think it's terrible it taught me business man like yeah. i i put to i i was you know, I had drivers, I had, yeah. you know, I had things put together and it was just, it, you know, it was giving me this false sense of power hmm. because I thought that everybody thought I was cool, but they just wanted what I had. Right. So I had this people around me that were just using me. When I was 17, I moved out of my parents' house and, um, you know, I was just, I was going down the bad path and it eventually switched from weed to, to other things like pills and, and you know, psychedelics. Did and you just, were doing or selling? little bit of both yeah yeah doing selling drinking mixing things and I was just lost and and I really take it back to that kid looking for a place to be accepted and mm -hmm. when you do drugs with somebody everybody accepts everybody right. because everybody in that culture is hurting and everybody is is running from their trauma and living this life of escapism is what I like to call it and and that's the life that the lifestyle that I was living too. I was escaping from the trauma of my past, you right, know, which actually creates more trauma in itself. Exactly. Yeah. So I had some instances where um, I got robbed when I was like pretty young by this 24-year-old and like four other guys, and just like, you know, uh, one of my good friends got stabbed behind my house, and 
just things were just getting crazy. Yeah. And when I, right when I turned 18, I had a really bad year, 2016. Um, I, I, um, I'm, I moved back in with my parents and I was dating this girl and I was just kind of doing my own thing. I didn't have all the people around me. I was, I was really low key about everything, but I was still, I was still making the moves yeah. and I got my wisdom teeth taken out and like three days later, um, I was driving and you know, like I hadn't been on the medication for like five hours that day, but I did take it that day. And on the medication it said, you know, use caution yeah. when operating machinery. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be cautious when I'm driving, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, I'm so glad that I didn't hurt anybody. I'm so like, so blessed. And, and that's, that's what this all leads to is that I feel like I was protected. I feel like I went through this, you know, so I could help other people to overcome it. So anyways, I got my wisdom teeth taken out. I'm driving. Yep. I've got all this stuff in this paint can that's like, you know, it looks like a paint can. You flip it over, stash can. Gotcha. It's got all, yeah. And I get, long story short, I get pulled over. I get busted with enough felonies to put me away for five to ten years. Like, I, I was done for. I had the whole kit, everything. And essentially, my life felt like it was over. Yeah. You know, my parents, they weren't there for me. They, they... But, and of course, like I wouldn't Why would be there. Why yeah. would they be? Yeah. yeah. And and I had really no support system, you know. I was, and and I was just really lost. So, um, the next six months while I was going through the court and everything, it was just like an up and down battle. I knew that I had to change, but I was still stuck in that lifestyle, and I didn't know what else to really do. So I started to. I went right back into it. So you, how did you not go to jail? So. As I was in the court system, um, I used a, a big portion of the money that I had made and for an attorney for for a really good lawyer, and he basically, you know, the the police stop their search was actually illegal. Gotcha. And so he he had lunch with the prosecutor a couple times, and and that's what's just crazy about the law system is if you have enough money to pay. Yeah, that's crazy. It is crazy, but yeah, he got it dropped down to just a DUI by prescription medication, which some people might be like, ah, oh, you should have sat time. And I should have, yeah. I, I really should have. And I remember that day he emailed me that and I just like broke down in tears and I was just like, there is a God, like there's something bigger, there's something, this, this is just too much of a coincidence. I just can't believe that I, I was able to like not get away with it and be like, oh, I'm so. So you were given another chance. But I was given another chance, yeah. exactly. And so. I think most people, whether I admit it or not, are given another chance. I think life. so too. Yeah, most yeah. people that I've met uh, are, anyways. Okay, we gotta take a quick break. Yeah, and yeah. And we'll restart this here in yeah. a second. We'll be right back, guys. After the another chance. Yep. All right, we're back. Okay, okay, so. All right, let's get back into it. So I was given a second chance and, um, you know, the next couple of years were just kind of confusing. I was, you know, like on my own and just like, well, actually I lived with my parents, but I was just kind of like floating, not really sure what I was supposed to do, working, yeah. working at a kitchen. And you were how old at this point? 18? 19. 19. 19. And I was just a little bit lost and I was dating this girl and that actually gave me some, um, I wasn't hanging out with all the friends, doing the drugs, drinking. And she wasn't a great influence on me either. It was a pretty toxic relationship, but um, essentially that kind of gave me a gap of like, 
you know, kind of kind of getting my head above water, figuring out what I wanted to do. Started taking some college classes and just, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was kind of just, kind of just going. Yeah. And um, so me and that girl, that relationship didn't work. Like I said, it was just not a good relationship. Yeah. And when we broke up, I went right back into hanging out with those friends. Dang. But those friends went from weed to coke. Gotcha. And so that's just like a whole nother world. And I started getting into that really hard, man. And after, you know, like, you know, long. How old are you now? 22. Okay. Yeah. So this, this is recent. This is recent, yeah. man. Yeah. So, so I started getting into that really hard, man, for like, you know, six to eight months. It was, it started out as like a once in a while party thing. And eventually it was every day. We were staying up all night. Um, I, I left a good job that I had at, at, um, Olive Garden and I went to work at a tree service and I was like partying all night and then going up and working with a chainsaw. I'm, I'm so lucky that I didn't like hurt myself or somebody through all yeah, of this. And, and it's just like that level of unconsciousness and just like that pain that you carry with you that you just like don't know what to do with. And it's just like, it's so dangerous and it's dangerous to others. And in hindsight now, I just, you know, it's, it's hard for me to tell this story because it doesn't feel like it was me. Yeah. It feels like it was, you know. You're not proud of it. No, I'm not right. proud of it. I yeah. don't like to relive it and it's not who I am today. Yeah. But it's just something that, you know, I went through and I think that it can help others. So um, essentially, you know, I moved in with the friends that were doing that. We were all doing that. And um, I... You know, I was working the tree thing, like I said, yep. and um, we had a we had a police case that was open on us, and we knew we, we got tipped off, and things were just heating up. And then um, the breaking point for me was that was definitely happening, but then the the rock bottom point was I was I was going to do a deal, and I you know like just an arrogant kid, I was I was like, yeah, I think I was 19 still. Yep, 19, maybe about to turn 20. And I was going to do a deal, and I was arrogant, so I carried a pistol just because. I did, you know, a lot of my friends did, and, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people know what goes on in that... In that world. In that world, yeah. here in this community. And it's it's scary, but it's real, and, and we have to bring awareness to it because these kids are just, you know, they're so hurt and so lost and, and doing things that could just cause you know, serious damage and I'm, I'm glad nothing did. But anyway, so I was going to do this deal and this, this guy, um, he tried to rob me. He pulled out a gun, cocked it. He's like, give me, you know, whatever. And I just like instantly pulled mine too. And I cocked it and like loaded. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's not loaded, all this stuff. And I, you know, I, I just like got out of the car and he just left. And it was like, then like, I like became aware of like, Oh, everything yeah, let's get serious I was like whoa hmm. did that really just happen and I just couldn't really process it all I go back to the house and everybody's like dude you're a hero man you didn't even give him the stuff man you punked him out that's so awesome yeah what if it was like probably shot you exactly yeah exactly or you know and like I was a finger pull away yeah too. you could kill somebody I could have been in prison, prison for, for that too yeah. and and it was just, it was dark and That's it was, crazy. it was, it was ugly. And even now it's just, ugh, I can't, I, you know, but, yeah. um, so moving forward from that, I still just, I couldn't really process that. And, um, a couple weeks later I had, uh, I, I don't 
essentially almost overdosed. Mm. Nobody else was around me. And I, you know, my eyes shaking, heart palpitations, and I kept going in and out, like passing out. And nobody, nobody was at my house. I was too young to go to the bars, and it was St. Pat, Patrick's Day. Yeah. And so everybody was up there. And, you know, I, I, thought, I thought that I was, you know, definitely going to die. Hmm. And I didn't sleep through the night. I eventually knew that I wasn't. But that night, I just, I was like, dude, I can't do this anymore. And I had a, a girl, and she was also in it with me, who's my girlfriend now. And she was going through similar things, and that's kind of how we, we met. And we were both like, we can't do this anymore. And so, like, we both started to seek positive change. And um, so I... I pretty much quit cold turkey, did it a couple times here and there, but I just like, I just put my foot down and my friends, they didn't accept it. They, they kept trying to get me to do it. Friends, you know, yeah, yeah. trying to get me to do it with them. And, um, it was just a really toxic situation, but this girl, she, she, she led me to the gym and I started working out and I was feeling good. And about, you know, like a month into that, I'm going into planet fitness and I see the kid that tried to rob me. And I didn't do anything that night, but I felt like I had to give him his, you know. So I see him at Planet Fitness, and I get all, you know, angry. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to give it to him, you know, whatever. And we go, and I go into the locker room. I see him. He doesn't recognize me. I'm like, do you remember me? He's like, I don't. And I was like, hmm. I am down. And I walk out of the locker room. I'm like, after I get my workout done, I'm just going to whatever I yeah. thought I was going to do. Yeah. You know, probably, probably not. But... And right when I walk out of the locker room, Christian, this is the weirdest thing, and this is like the turning point. I saw my youth pastor from when I was, from like four years earlier that I hadn't seen in, in, in forever. I hadn't seen him in years. And I just went up and sat right next to him on the bike. He didn't say hi. He didn't say, how are you doing? He just said, what's wrong? What's going on? Hmm. And so I laid it all on him. I told him, I'm like, I'm living at this place. These people are like dragging me down. Like I want to be different. I want, I want to, you know, have a better situation for myself. And I just don't know what to do. This guy tried to rob me. And, and he said, you know, Nate, when I was about your age, I had a similar situation. And um, one day my friends didn't understand, but one day I just had to pack up my stuff and leave. And, you know, I paid him the rent money and, and I just had to go. And it, and it was what I had to do for my life. And when he told me that, I, it was it brought me clarity that that was what I had to do. So that week, so you were still living with him at this time. I was still living with him, working out, being in that toxic environment, but like trying to live healthy. So I'm yeah, going there. That's, a, that's like an impossible thing to do. Super yeah. impossible. Super impossible. So um, essentially, I, I you know I I told them I was open with them. I was like, guys, I gotta move out. I can't do this anymore whatever and and I did and I, I found somebody to take over my spot and I don't I don't know if that worked out or whatever but moved back with my parents for a little bit and this girl uh, we, were, we were starting to get more serious and um, she was moving up to Spearfish to go to classes and kind of before that you know, I don't want to get too ahead just to yeah. backtrack a little bit we're, we're working out at the gym and she's like hey I'm sick of Planet Fitness let's go to a gym closer to my house and I kind of dragged my feet. I was like, well, I, I want to put the gym. You know, sometimes yeah, yeah. we can be yeah. guys and just <laughs> arrogance. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, so she picked the gym, which was like a huge blessing in disguise because. What I, gym? Uh, it was, it's that uh, out in the valley. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like right by um, Sally O'Malley. Yep. 
And so I go in there and I was bored of weightlifting and I, I didn't want to lift weights anymore. I, I, and there was a heavy bag there. So I just started punching it. Terrible form, yeah. didn't know what I was doing. I, I remember throwing kicks and like falling down and just like, just terrible. Yeah. But it was, it was exciting. Yeah. And it was fun. Something fun to do. Yeah. So I started watching videos and, and that aggression that right. I, that I carried. Let it out. Let it out. Yeah. And so, um, I was doing that and this new guy started working at the gym and it turned out that he was a professional MMA fighter. Hmm. So like some, Who's that? his name is Devin Fisher. Okay. Yeah. Great, great guy. And, and he's what actually kind of led me to all this. So, so he sees me punching with terrible form. He's like, Hey man, like, I don't think he did it. Hurt yourself. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he thought that investing time in me was going to help him any. I thought he, I think he was just like, Hey man, you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> Break a wrist. This is how you yeah. throw a punch. And, and so he started just mentoring me and we kicked it off. Mm -hmm. And, um, eventually in my arrogance, you know, with all this rage and I just wanted to prove to myself that I could do something. And so I said, Hey man, if you could find me a fight, I'm down to fight. And I, I mean, I guess I'll try it. And he's like, all right. And so, and you've only trained on a bag. Only trained on a bag. He started teaching me a little bit of stuff, and um, so after that, flat. Fast forward a couple months, I move up to Spearfish with my now girlfriend. Yep. But I'm driving back to Rapid every single day. Well, like three, four, five times a week okay. to train in, at that gym, and then with them. yeah, and then to also I was working at a kitchen. Okay. Um, through all of this, just like really flash forward, um, I started, I took a job when I was dead broke and moved back with my parents. Yeah. Took a job at 8.25 an hour and yeah. within six months worked up to the supervisor at $15 an hour. It's awesome. And yeah, it, it was great. And I was really starting to build that confidence back in yeah. myself. So I'm in Spearfish. I'm driving to work there. I'm, I'm driving to, um, he got moved from the Valley Gym to the Black Hawk. They're connected. Yeah. So it worked better for me. Yeah. And we started a little MMA group. We had a little fight team. We had guys showing up three times a week, and it was cool. And it was cool to be a part of something. Yep. And um, so one day he calls me and he's like, "Hey man, got you a fight. It's it's this guy Matt Klein. Uh, I think we can take him." And I'm like, I didn't even look up the guy. I was just like, "Let's do it." Yeah, yeah, we'll take it. And then right after, I look him up, and the first video is this Matt Klein guy from like five years ago just knocking out this guy in Sturgis <laughs> ring. And I was just like, no. From five years yeah. ago? So he had a lot Damn. of experience. Yeah. And he had all these videos. He had a fight team, Savage Strikes. And I was just dead scared. So you were gonna fight this guy? And I, and I, I signed up to fight this guy. Like, <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just like, it's, it's all coming together. I'm like, I don't even know how to fight at all. Yeah. So I, I started training. Like, like uh, back to the running on a treadmill. How long did you have? I had two months. Oh, dang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I, I did like the thing about tournaments, the thing about competition that I love is when you give yourself that date, when you say yes, when you sign up for a registration, you be ready. you're in that. And so everything you do up to that point impacts that. So like, you know, it's, it's, it's a big mental game, but also like the food, everything, like I started doing yoga, I started mm -hmm. like meditating, not because I was into those things, because I was looking for any way yeah, to get an edge. Yeah. But in those things, I started to really find a, a deeper me and like who I really was and started to realize that you know, I had been holding on to this this trauma, this these triggers, and and I was going there as the. Did you go to therapy too? No, no, no. 
I was going there as the underdog with something to prove. Yeah. And so fast forward. And he had everything to lose. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. Right? yeah. 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 So so fast forward to fight night. Um, kind of kind of long story short on this whole thing. There's a lot of nuances in this whole thing, but I just right, I want to get beginning yeah. it. Yeah. So um, fast forward to fight night. Um, you know, all my friends are fighting. My first first fight of the night. The guy goes out, and we hear uh, the crowd go rah. And the guy comes back, and his face is all bloody. And I'm just like, Oh my god, yeah. What am I doing here? Yeah. What am I doing here? I couldn't, and it didn't feel real. My friend, my next friend goes out, knocks out the guy, and I'm like, Yes. But now I've got this pressure to go yeah. out after him. And so they call me out, and I go out before my walkout song even starts. I'm just like, Cause you're so jittery. So jittery, yeah. but like calm at the same time yeah. because I didn't. I was like in this weird daze. So, yeah. Yeah. I didn't really understand what was going on. And I remember walking out real calm, real slow, and like thinking to myself, like, hey, it's happening. This is, this is the night. It's really happening. It's really happening. And it just didn't feel real. Hmm. And so we go in the cage, bump gloves or whatever, and they're like, are you ready? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Fight. And we go, and I was just like, this doesn't feel real. We touch gloves, and it still didn't feel real. And I just like froze. Like, back to back to being that kid that Dang. scared kid just froze completely froze and this hit just comes in right behind my ear and just smokes me so hard and it just woke me up and you see in the video whoops sorry. Yeah. you see in the video i just throw both my hands out like just so un uncomposed and yeah. just terrible but then um my i hear i hear devin in the corner he's like you're all right you're all right it's nothing you're okay and so i just throw this little kick right in the guy's ribs and then I grab his head and I just launch a knee up in the same spot and and like I said man like there's something watching out for me because I cracked three of his ribs with that first initial knee that very early contact and he just kind of crumbled on the ground I got on top did a little ground and pound he turned his back and I choked him with a rear naked choke 26 seconds Damn. won the fight didn't expect to win it I I got up so, so arrogant, just like, Let's go. I knew I was going to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then my post-fight interview is just like classic because they asked me, they're like, what's next for you? And I'm like, well, I'm going to go get some food, hang out, relax. <laughs> it was just, it was just silly. But Is so, that the only MMA fight you did? Yeah, I did a couple boxing matches too okay. that I also won. Um, and Man, but you beat some guys been fighting that long. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy, dude. It, it was yeah, and he was older and taller, and 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 it was just a thing of like, you know, I I had that 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 disbelief that that coach implanted in me, and I needed to to prove to myself that I could overcome yeah. through something I shouldn't have overcome through. So I I thought fighting was going to be more fulfilling, and I wasn't that fulfilled. So that night I met Jordan Thomas, who's now my spearfish martial arts coach. I had messaged him a week earlier and asked him about Spearfish Martial Arts. I saw they did Taekwondo and I was like, hmm. Whatever. MMA is, yeah, everything. And what's Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he invited me for a free week. And since I've been, you know, driving to train, driving to train, I was like, sure, I'll go, I'll go check it out, see what it is. And, and so I did. And it was amazing, man. It was, it was, I remember going in there and getting thrown on the ground by a girl that weighed like 10 pounds. 10 or 20 pounds less than me and she just like put me in an arm bar so fast I could like barely tap and everybody tapped me out and after my free week I told Jordan I was like you guys know something that I don't and I want to learn it so sign me up for a yeah. year 
And so I signed up for a year right there. And Is this when you were 20 or 21? I was 20. Okay. Yeah. I was, yep, yep, just just turned. Um, so two years ago, about? Yep, yep, okay. 20, yep. And, um, yeah, so I started training there, and Jordan was like, hey, I'm doing a kids program, anybody that wants to help. And, you know, you just kind of stand there and just make sure the kids don't, right. you know, just tell them to do exactly what I showed. And so I started helping, and it gave me this sense of fulfillment mm -hmm. and this sense of purpose. And, you know, I, I'd been done with drugs. I'd been, you know, uh, I found a good job in Spearfish at a health food store, and I was just around this positive community, and I was meeting these people, and I was just feeling this growth, and, and I was eating better, you know, and, and I, I didn't really have a good financial situation, you know, but I just, this abundance just kept flowing into my life, these opportunities and these doors opening, and I just, I just, that's where my faith developed, where I was just like, you know, I know that this is all part of something way bigger than me, you know, this isn't about me at all, what's going on right now, and, and so, um, about two months after I started doing jiu-jitsu training, um, there was a competition coming up. Maybe it was like two and a half months, but there was a competition coming up, and I wanted to go. I didn't know how it was going to go. And I actually went down there and took second and third and surprised myself. Yeah. And created a couple rivals. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And I remember, like... Is this in Wyoming? This was in Denver. Okay. Fight to win. So I remember, like, being just... Like, I can't believe how, how much my mentality has changed in two years because I remember being mad that I got second instead of first. <laughs> I remember literally throwing my mouth guard and my girlfriend's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I was that close. Yeah. And just, it's just funny how, yeah. you, know, you, you know, you learn from your, your worst moments for sure. And um, anyways, so I knew I could take double gold at that point. So for the, there was another tournament coming up two and a half, three months later, yep. and I just, I went all in on my training, just like with the MMA fight, yep. the yoga, that Everything. stuff, yep. and, and a lot of that stuff started sticking into my lifestyle, because it was like, I liked eating good, I liked feeling good, yeah. and I still do, I still eat good, yeah. and um, so I went down to that tournament, and I got double gold, I beat the guys that beat me, and I just, I had a, a flawless day, I had, I think, seven matches, six or seven matches, and just... Want them all. Yeah, and just, you know, like, it, it was just, it was awesome. And it just, like, it started to instill this belief in me, but I was still the underdog trying with something to prove. Right. You know, and, and that chip on your shoulder, you know, it weighs you down. Yeah. So, um, in, in the span of time, since, since then, I've gone to a number of other competitions, and I've just plugged myself into the community of, of Spearfish and I went from having the health food store job to um, getting hooked up with uh, my boss now. Shout out Zach Eichsenberger with yep. Spread the Tunes and Platinum Car Brokers because that guy opened so many doors for me and um, essentially, you know, it, it was a low, you know, I started out doing car detailing and it was a low pressure situation where I could do my training and I could learn, you know, listen to podcasts while yep. I'm working. And it was just perfect, man. And so, you know, since since like deciding not to tolerate that that low energy stuff and, and actually address the issues that are going on and become conscious of like all the stuff, I just like, you know, my whole world just started to change. It was like doors opened for me, things happened, and it wasn't my doing. 
I mean, my team at Black Hills Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Spearfish Martial Arts, those guys have carried me, man. Like, you know, like I went to the national tournament right when I got my blue belt, which was at the, at the, this past summer. Okay. So I had my blue belt for about, uh, I want to say six months or so. And I signed up for the national tournament on the very last day that you can sign up. And I didn't know what to expect. Is this in Las Vegas? Yep, in, okay. La in Vegas, yep. I signed up the last day and I was just like, I'm taking a leap of faith. And you know, I, I've been in a situation where I was able to gain myself a little bit of financial independence and stability to where I could afford it on my own. Yeah. And I also got a, a sponsorship that was just awesome. Shout out to Nelson Chiropractic. Nice. They, they've yeah they helped me out with some of my travel costs and also he's done so much work on different little injuries yeah. dr bjorn dr devin amazing work and anyway so so i had some help going there and i just remember like the tournament was great i ended up taking second in nogi just completely shocking Dang. myself and um you know it was th that stuff was great but eventually you know it's not it's not the same as like you know, that first tournament I won right. double gold. Right. You know, the silver, I won gold. Right. Like, yeah. that's, my mentality is just like, I want, yeah. But anyways, and then I got beat out of my gi. But the point of the Nationals thing is like, you know, those guys at BHBJJ, man, they, they took care of me, man. Like, we went out to dinner. They knew that I went there on a whim. They knew that I just went there because I felt like I had to. And and so they, they you know, they bought me dinner, they let me stay in their hotel, awesome. you know, they, they just took care of me, man, and I've had those experiences ever since I decided to, to do something better for myself, I just keep having these experiences, and so I, I just want to tell, like, anybody who's going through, you know, those dark times, it's like, when you make the decision to stop tolerating those bad experiences, when you decide to face your problem just like in jiu-jitsu if mm -hmm. if somebody's smashing you inside control you turn away they're gonna take your back and strangle you yep. you know you have to face your problem you have to turn into them shrimp away get back to your guard jiu-jitsu talk for those yep. that <laughs> and and you have to face your problems and when once you do like life the universe God everybody has their different way energy whatever you want to call it it's gonna work behind the scenes for you to make these things happen and that's what I've just seen in my life. And it's been so beautiful to experience. And like, you know, I still going through this though, I still had that chip on my shoulder. And it, it really wasn't until very recently I started to address this. Like, what is this stuff? Like, why, what is this pain I'm carrying? Why, why do I get triggered? Why do I act this way? And so I started to do a lot of research on those kind of things. And I realized that I was just carrying this emotional baggage. And the only way that I could really grow from that was to let it go. And, you know, it's, it's a process to work through that. And, and you asked me if I did therapy. I never yeah. have. I probably should. Yeah. I could probably use some. But, um, you know, just like a long process of, like, letting it go and just, like, being okay with not knowing exactly what's going to happen because I know that it's all part of something bigger and just trusting the process. Yeah. And so I started, you know, my, my the channel, process. The Process, to show the process of the ups and downs of the journey and because I want to show everybody that we all have a process and we all have to go through it. We all have to face our, our demons eventually and stop living this life of escapism and actually rise to the next level. So um, essentially what I'm saying is like, you know, I did all these things, but I didn't ever feel fulfilled until I was able to address 
why I had that chip on my shoulder until I was able to to pinpoint, oh, that coach caused a lot of yeah. confidence issues in me. And so once I did that and I let those things go and, and I was able to know that those aren't me and I can just be myself authentically, I don't have to be like everyone else. It's just been, you know, like I'm going to this tournament and I, I don't need it. I, you know, I needed that MMA fight. Yeah. I needed that double gold. I don't need this world championship, but I think that I have a pretty good chance. So I'm going there and, and, and yeah, and it's just like, it's just been this whole journey of like, you know, and then I went from car detailing to now selling cars, yep. working less hours than ever, making more money than ever. And yep. it's just been, you know, it's just been, I'm just so thankful. I'm thankful yeah. for my team, thankful for the opportunities. I'm thankful to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you came. You know, it's just it's just wild. So, yeah. so well, yeah, hey man, let's wrap this up. Yeah, because um, I know you got to get on the road. But yep. honestly, I really appreciate this. This was awesome. Yeah, it's man. A crazy story. I never heard a story before. So yeah, this is awesome for me as well. And I actually, I definitely learned some stuff which, as well. Which so. you got on time? One minute, and seventeen seconds. Okay. You got mm -hmm. any final questions? I don't think so. I think you answered both. I think, uh, to be honest with you, I'm thinking as we're here, we need to do another one. <laughs> I know, point, I know, you know what I mean? Hey, real, a little longer. So. Real quick, too, I want to shout out a couple other sponsors. Yeah, go. Antunia's Cuisine, Jared at Antunia's and Spearfish, um, really has always supported me, awesome. always been there for me, and he's actually sponsoring this world championship. That's but, dope. Yeah, so um, I want to thank him. If you guys are ever in Spearfish, great food. Where great, is it? Authentic. Do you know where it is? Yeah, it's, it's right... Um, it's right, right downtown. Okay. Right, right off. I think I've seen him. Right off Main Street, yeah. And then um, also Dorsey Johnner, Keller yep. Williams. She's she's supporting this journey. Nelson Chiropractic, Zach at Spread the Tunes, Spearfish Martial Arts, and Scoby Kabucha. Those Scobie. are all the people that are kind of supporting me That's and backing awesome, me right now. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here, man. Hey, we'll see you guys thanks next time. Thanks for having me. Yep. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching this episode of the podcast. If you made it to this part of the video, it means you made it all the way through the podcast, and I really appreciate that. I would love for you to do me a favor, and if you're in the area, I would love for you to drop a comment, share this as well, and tell me who you think I should interview next or who you would love to see on the podcast and learn more about. And I'll do my best to get them on the show. Or if you have a connection, get me in contact with them. We will get them on this podcast, guys. Thanks so much for watching. And last, lastly, the only way this podcast is even possible is through my personal real estate business. So if you know anybody that's looking at buying or selling or investing in the Black Hills area, please give me a call, shoot me a text, or shoot me a message here, a direct message. You can get me on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all those platforms, at Christian Morrison SD. The rest of my um, contact information will be in the description of this video. So thanks so much for watching, guys. I really appreciate it. We'll see you on the next episode.